VCY America presents Crosstalk, a nationwide call-in program discussing issues that have an effect on our families, our communities, our churches, our nation, and our world. Crosstalk, an opportunity for you to voice your concerns for biblical principles. And now live by satellite and around the world on the Internet at vcyamerica.org. Here is today's Crosstalk. And we thank you for joining us on Crosstalk today. Ladies and gentlemen, the crisis at our border is intensifying, and it's primarily due to a refusal to enforce border laws. Even earlier this month, the International Organization for Migration at the United Nations reported that the U.S. southwest border is the world's deadliest land migration route. Vice President Kamala Harris was given the assignment of taking care of the problem, and folks, it's, it's just monumentally grown far worse. Jihad Watch reported an admission from the Department of Homeland Security that around 160 non-U.S. citizens on terrorist watch list have attempted to cross into the U.S. in 2023. Keep in mind, it only took 19 terrorists to bring the, about the 9-11 attacks on America. Many have seen the video footage of a train filled with military-aged men bound for the U.S. border. Train cars piled high with cheering men. Just a week ago, a Fox News reporter who's been covering our poorest border with Mexico said on social media that he recently witnessed, quote, one of the largest mass illegal crossings we have ever seen. Many, many thousands illegally crossing the border in just a matter of days. Reports that the Biden administration has been cutting razor wire, allowing a Texas town to be flooded with thousands of illegals. Meanwhile, the Biden administration is letting hundreds of thousands fly directly into the United States. The whole nation is being impacted. New York City says they're going to have to spend more than a billion dollars to house illegal aliens. That's just the hotel rooms. Doesn't include the food, health care, education. So with an update today of the crisis at our southwest border, we welcome Andrew Arthur, resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigration Studies. I do want to give you more of his background, though. It's quite extensive, but really gives a status here to our guest today. He began his legal career through the Attorney General's Honors Program as a clerk to the administrative law judge in the office of the Chief Administrative Hearing Officer at the United States Department of Justice Executive Office for Immigration Review. Later in his career, he was promoted to the Immigration and Naturalization Service General Counsel's Office in D.C., first Associate General Counsel, then Assistant General Counsel, and Acting Chief of the INS National Security Law Division. In the General Counsel's Office, he supervised attorneys handling cases involving espionage, terrorism, and, and persecutors. He uh, advised the Attorney Generals, among others, on matters pertaining to national security. 2001, he left INS to become a counsel in the House Judiciary Committee, where he performed oversight of immigration issues. After five years there, appointed to the immigration bench, serving for eight years as an immigration judge at the New York Immigration Court in York, Pennsylvania. And at the beginning of the 114th Congress, Judge Arthur left the bench, came back to Capitol Hill, where he served as staff director of the National Security Subcommittee at House Oversight and Government Reform, being taken, uh, uh, taking retirement from federal office in 2016, now with the Center for Immigration Studies. Andrew, an extensive background. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having me, and I hope that I could build up to that great uh intro that you just gave us. Well, we've got a lot to unpack today, but uh, I'd just like to begin by airing a brief clip from President Biden speaking last Thursday, in which he blames mega Republicans and former President Trump for our border crisis. Now, friends, I just want to alert you that he sounds very slurred as he speaks, but let's hear what he said, and then we'll have our guests comment on it. Here is President Biden from last week. This legislation introduced on my first day in office. I sent an immigration reform bill to the Congress, one that recognizes immigrants' contributions to this country, provides a pathway to citizenship for dreamers, temporary status holders, farm workers, and others. We need our colleagues to act. For decades, immigration reform has been a bipartisan in this country. Unfortunately, the mega Republican in Congress and my predecessor spent four years gutting the immigration system under my predecessor. They continue to undermine our border security today, blocking bipartisan reform. So until Congress acts, I'm going to keep using every tool at my disposal as President of the United States to preserve and protect DACA. The finger is waving, and it's those Republicans that Congress needs to act on these things. It's mega Republicans. It's the former president that has let this all fall apart at the seams. Andrew, your response. I, I, I truly don't even know where to unpack all that. 
but uh, the first thing that I should probably mention is that, uh, you know, he talked about sending legislation up to the Hill. You'll actually hear a lot of media outlets talk about that. Well, you know, the president has sent comprehensive immigration reform up there that would fix all this. In reality, the comprehensive immigration reform that he sent up to Capitol Hill was a massive amnesty for 11 million aliens unlawfully present in the United States. And as with all amnesties in U.S. history, uh, even if that had moved directly through Congress, um, it would have just made the problem worse. It would have uh, underscored the foreign nationals. That, uh, that the United States wasn't serious about its immigration laws, wasn't serious about its borders. To make things worse, it actually would have allowed people who had been deported under the Trump administration to re-enter the United States. I, it's an exceptional piece of legislation, but to give you an idea of how bad it is, in the last Congress, I don't know why the president's blaming MAGA Republicans, Democrats controlled both the House and the Senate, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi. And yet, even though it provided the amnesty that uh, Chuck Schumer demanded, uh, you know, be extended back in November, the bill was so toxic that it didn't even make it to committee. I mean, it was referred to committee, but nobody actually marked it up. Nobody reported it. It was never sent to the floor. That's how bad this bill is. So, you know, it's important that people actually take a look at the bill that the president is talking about. It would be great if reporters took a look at it and wrote about it. But that's the first part. The second part is, uh, as Joe Biden's first Border Patrol chief, Rodney Scott, wrote in a letter to Senate leadership in September of 2021, uh, Donald Trump left the United States with what was in Chief Scott's 30-plus year career, arguably the best border security in U.S. history, and I concur with that assessment. The numbers of aliens entering the United States illegally were way down. In fact, they'd started to come down even before Title 42 went into effect in March of 2020. Trump had actually, you know, resolved the issues at the border and, you know, had addressed that issue. People also forget the fact that Donald Trump had proposed an amnesty of his own. It's rather exceptional to think about it at this late date. But he actually, he extended to congressional uh, Democrats an olive uh, branch. He wanted to legalize the status of 1.8 million people who had been brought to the United States under the age of 18, so-called dreamers, in exchange for you know some border security measures that definitely would have helped right now. Uh, and... Uh, in exchange for shifting us over from a family-based immigration system, which we have now, to a merit-based immigration system, something that the late civil rights icon Barbara Jordan called for back in 1995. Definitely not a, you know, exclusively conservative idea. Ms. Jordan, of course, was, um, you know, a Democratic congresswoman. She was the first uh, Democratic uh, woman elected to Congress from the South, I think. Um, she was definitely the first African-American woman elected to Congress in the South ever. So, you know, these were all good ideas that, you know, Schumer and Pelosi sat on. And, you know, t- for the president to blame Donald Trump for anything that's going on in the United States today is completely ridiculous. <laughs> and it simply shows how much the president relies on his uh, stenographers in the American media to get his message out. Yeah, and the media is very complicit in what's taking place there. I mean, receiving this designation uh, from this UN group uh, as a world's deadliest migration land route, certainly not a designation to be cherished here. And I, I'm just uh, wondering if, if uh, you can help us understand, give us a paint, paint a picture for us of what's going on at our southwest border. We had a Fox reporter just a week ago indicating one of the largest mass illegal crossings that he's ever seen. Is he exaggerating? What, what, paint the picture for us. What's going on? No, actually, and there's a whole lot to unpack just in that, that one question. On September the 12th, the uh, United Nations um, International Organization on Migration issued a report captioned, U.S.-Mexico border, world's deadliest migration land route. Now, consider the fact that the U.N. has jurisdiction over the Caribbean, uh, over the Mediterranean, where we see 
you know, tens of thousands of African migrants get into leaky boats and, you know, travel to Italy and Spain, uh, has jurisdiction over the Sahara Desert, the Gobi Desert, uh, mass expanses of the world. To call the uh, U.S.-Mexico border the world's deadliest land route is, um, it's, it's quite a title and not one I think the United States wants to have. But they bring up the fact that, you know, migrants are traveling to the United States from all over the world including through the daring gap of, of a very rugged jungle that connects uh, Colombia to Panama. Hundreds of thousands, not tens of thousands, not thousands, hundreds of thousands of people cross through the daring gap. And in that report, uh, one of the points that IOM makes is, and they quantify the number of, of uh, migrants who have been found dead, but they bring up the fact that one in, twi- one in 25 respondents reported someone they were traveling with had gone missing while crossing through that daring gap. Mm. It's a 4% death rate, and those bodies will never be found. Uh, it is truly rugged jungle. It's all but impassable. There are big cats, jaguars down there, in addition to uh, various other things that are uh, you know, highly uh, deadly, and, you know, basically it's a no-go zone. And yet the Biden administration is creating what we in the law call an attractive nuisance. It's setting up something that is drawing people to enter the United States at their own peril. So, I mean, that's, you know, the first thing that's important to understand. The next thing that's important to understand is that Border Patrol apprehended more than 181,000 illegal migrants at the southwest border. That was a 34% increase over the month before, which itself was a 33% increase over June. The Biden administration had implemented some policies that it uh, hoped would stop the flow of migrants to the United States. And while it certainly you know, slowed those entries uh, for about a month, we're back up to historically huge numbers, but it gets worse yet. Because 51% of all of those migrants who were apprehended entering the United States uh, last month, uh, more than 93,000 people were adults traveling with children in what we call family units. That's the largest increase. That's the largest number of family uh, migrants that we've ever seen coming across the southwest border in any given month. Now, the Trump administration faced its own family migrant crisis back in 2019. It responded to that with what was called the Migrant Protection Protocols, MPP, but it's probably better known to you and your listeners as Remain in Mexico. In October of 2019, DHS did an assessment of Remain in Mexico, and it determined that it was very effective, particularly at stopping adult migrants from bringing kids with them to the United States. And I don't want to, you know, I don't want to shock your listeners. I don't want to perturb them in any way. But in April of 2019, the Homeland Security Advisory Council, which is part of the federal government, convened a bipartisan group of experts. By bipartisan, it included Barack Obama's lawyer at the Department of Justice, who quarterbacked all immigration issues at DOJ. Andrew, I'm going to have you pick up with that right after the break. Friends, we'll be back in just 60 seconds. So he's going to share with us rather shocking information here, and uh, you need to hear what's going on at our border. This is Crosstalk on VCY America. Back to Genesis with Dr. John Morris, scientist and creation researcher with the Institute for Creation Research. Dr. Morris, how primitive was early man? Chris, early man was never primitive in an evolutionary sense at all. In the beginning, man was created in the image of God with great ability, even able to communicate with God face to face. All this was before sin, however, and we've been deteriorating ever since. Evidence continues to accumulate that long ago man was highly sophisticated, evidently even performing brain surgery. Skulls have been found with holes drilled in them for surgical reasons, and the person had survived. No, Chris, there never were primitive humans. There were some with less technology and not much education, but Stone Age cultures exist today. This is a level of civilization, but not an evolutionary stage. And it's been that way ever since, back in Genesis. For free information on creation, visit us on the web at www.icr.org.
listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Andrew Arthur, our guest, resident fellow in law and policy for the Center for Immigration Studies. Folks, you can get a lot of information, a lot of stories uncensored from the national mainstream media at CIS.org. CIS.org, standing for the Center for Immigration Studies. Um, Andrew, you were just unpacking for us. Uh, we had known as the Remain in Mexico policy under the Trump administration, but uh, uh, things did not stay in that same vein, did they? No, they didn't. Uh, and in fact, one of Joe Biden's first acts as president was to uh, completely undo the Remain in Mexico policy. As you know, you and your listeners are probably aware, Texas and Missouri have been suing in federal court since April of 2021 to try to force DHS to re-implement Remain in Mexico. Uh, and thus far, they've been unsuccessful. But the uh, case did go all the way to the Supreme Court. It's now back at the district court uh, for consideration. But yeah, stopping people from bringing their kids to this country is absolutely crucial because all of those kids are traumatized. And, you know, to to any of your listeners who are families, uh, it's going to, you know, you'll understand what those migrant families are facing. Parents will do anything to protect their children. And unfortunately, when dealing with the smugglers, they often have to. Mm. Uh, It's just a deplorable situation. Mm -hmm. Um, We also have uh, seen you know, the, the video, this train filled with military-aged men making their way to the U.S.? I, I mean, is, it, is that up near the border? Are we seeing these people cross? Or what, what's up with that train? Yeah, and in fact, um, uh, the Mexican uh, National uh, Train Organization and many U.S. train lines have had to cancel their trains heading north because so many migrants were hopping those northbound trains to the border that it was creating a a hazard to the aliens themselves, and it was causing a hazard to the uh, train lines in moving legitimate freight into the country. But, you know, that's really just the tip of the spear. We see a lot of people traveling on trains, but a lot of them are paying thousands of dollars to smugglers to, you know, bust them to the border uh, where they're, they're released on the Mexican side and they're able to make their way into the American side. We're talking about tens of thousands of people. In fact, I think on Sunday, 11,000 migrants were encountered at the southwest border just in one day. Hmm. Wow, wow. Um, Also, it was just days ago, uh, DHS Secretary Mayorkas made this grand announcement that he's going to be redesignating Venezuela for temporary protected status for some 18 months, over 700,000 Venezuelans. Where does he have authority to do this? Well, he doesn't have, he doesn't have the authority to do that, which really gets to a fundamental point, and that is that the Biden administration has exploited every possible power that you know, previous Congresses has given, uh, have given to the president in order to facilitate uh, you know, immigration, lawful immigration in the United States. When we talk about the uh, that uh, Venezuelan temporary protected status for TPS uh, extension, we're talking about 472,000 people. This is a huge population of people coming to the United States. So, I mean, the numbers are massive, mm-hmm. and it just encourages more people to come here illegally. And we understand also we've got the Biden administration flying in hundreds of thousands of illegal migrants? I mean, flying them right across the southern border in the U.S.? Yeah, no, that's absolutely true as well. More than 30,000 nationals of Venezuela, Nicaragua, Haiti, and Cuba are now allowed to get parole in their countries. Again, there's no authority for this. that allows them to come to the United States and pass through ports of U.S., international airports. We're not just talking about the southwest border. We're talking about, you know, JFK, Dulles Airport, LAX, uh, Indianapolis International Airport, all across the country. And the center has asked for uh, numbers on those migrants, and it's more than 200,000 people. But they won't tell us what airports they're flying them to. They tell us that there are law enforcement sensitivities that attach to us finding out that information. But really what the Biden administration is attempting to do is to hide from the American people how bad the scope of this problem is. But we see it in cities, New York and Chicago, Philadelphia, D.C. 
pretty soon every city and town across the United States is going to be affected by this. Yeah, I mean, uh, New York City alone, uh, they just uh, talking about spending a billion dollars just to house illegal aliens. I mean, that's just the housing, and, and, and then there's the education, there's the health care, there's the food. Um, and and yet they're only seeing a portion, uh, a fraction of what's going on in places like in, in Texas and in Arizona, what they're facing there. But but New York City, I mean, we've got uh, really the uh, the mayor, even even uh, at times the governor coming apart at the seams as to what's going on there. Yeah, no. And, you know, it is uh, Mayor Adams uh, of Mayor Eric Adams of New York is estimating that it's going to cost the city 12 billion dollars to uh, be able to, you know, house and care for and educate the migrants who have already come. There are 53,000 migrants who are living in New York City shelters, and on average the families in those shelters stay for 500 days. So this isn't, you know, a problem that is fluctuating in New York City. This is a balloon that's filling up, mm-hmm. and soon it's going to burst. In fact, Mayor Adams warns that it will uh, destroy New York City. Yeah, and destroying, I mean, luxurious hotels? Yeah, no, they're staying at the Hotel Roosevelt. I took my wife there when everybody was being encouraged to go to New York in the days after uh, September 11th, and it was absolutely beautiful. But you go there today, you can't even walk down the sidewalk uh, because there were so many people milling about uh, and so much activity going on there, right. and the local business owners are complaining about it because it's killing their business. Yeah, and they're not the only place. I mean, Chicago, too. We see them putting up uh, tent cities. I mean, we're not too far away from a Chicago winter coming up. Yeah, I don't know if you heard about this, but there were hundreds of migrants who were actually being housed in O'Hare Airport. Yes. Uh, you know, one of the busiest airports, if not the busiest airport in the world, has now become a massive migrant shelter. But for what it's worth, New York City has become the world's largest refugee camp. Uh, and it happened before our very eyes. And yet, you know, Mayor Adams, Governor Hochul, uh, Kathy Hochul, the Democratic governor of New York, they refuse to put the blame where it belongs. They mm-hmm. refuse to put it on the Biden administration. And until they do, None of this is going to stop. And they've never rescinded their sanctuary status. So, I mean, right now their arms are open. You come here and come here. I mean, that, that, that's what they're saying, really. Yeah. And, in fact, New York City uh, doubled down on its sanctuary status days after President Trump took office. You know, it was sort of a, a thumb in the eye of the incoming administration. And uh, Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington, D.C., did the same thing. Well, now... They're seeing the effects of their policies, and they don't really like it that much. But yet, they're so trapped, you know, by their own sanctimony, by their own rhetoric, they can't escape the problem that they themselves have created. Andrew Arthur with us today from the Center for Immigration Studies, their website, cis.org. What is the status of DACA? I mean, it seems every time we turn around, the courts are ruling against it, and then the Biden administration makes a twist or turn here, starts it all over again. Yeah, uh, you know, this is part of of a saga that's been going on for more than five years in federal court in Texas. Andrew Hannon, who was a federal judge down there, he was previously in Victoria, I think, or Brownsville, who is now in Houston on senior status, but he still has that case. And most recently, he ruled the DACA is illegal. But, you know, he actually, you know, one of the things that he did was he said, look, the program is illegal. It was, you know, there was no authority to create it. But he didn't actually take away DACA status from anybody who had it. Uh, you know, he wants to leave that for the higher court so that none of those people are adversely affected until a final decision is made. But the DACA case, which is formally called Texas versus United States, has been pending for a long time. But it's very important that uh, to note the fact that Judge Hannon made a crucial finding in that case, and that is, uh, you know, the the government has argued that, you know, the presence of the 60,000 or so uh, aliens who are covered by DACA doesn't adversely affect the wages and working conditions of Americans. One of the things that he did determine in the footnote, I think it's footnote 52 in his most recent decision, was that in reality, it's about $12 billion in wages that have been denied to some of the most disadvantaged Americans. Uh, you know, they are 
again, I never like to say they're taking jobs from other people, but they're definitely, you know, diminishing the employment prospects for the for those Americans who are hurting the most. So, but, you know, this is now a population of people who have been living in quasi-legal status for 11 years. It's really incumbent on Congress to step in and do something one way or another with that population. But the Biden administration's also not pushing that issue because they know that if they attempt to, you know, grant some sort of legal status to all of those aliens, that it's going to have to actually enforce the border. It doesn't want to do that. It would prefer to just simply demagogue the issue for as long as possible. Yeah. And and what we're seeing is the rush. We're talking about the impact upon cities and other states that are even outside the border, uh, you know, the border states as such, uh, looking to give uh, uh, voting credentials, driver's licenses to those that are here illegally. I mean, uh, some have seen this as a, as, a, as a recipe of disaster as it relates to the 2024 elections. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is one of those issues that... Um, you know, is really viewed very differently by people who are self-identified as Democrats and other Americans, uh, you know, on one side or the other. A minority, a tiny minority of Democrats actually think that illegal immigration to the United States is a problem at all. A massive or a significant number of Republicans, uh, you know, view the border as a significant national security and humanitarian vulnerability. And increasingly, those Republicans are being joined not just by independents uh, who, you know, view the uh, border much more akin to their Republican fellow citizens, but also by significant numbers of Hispanics. In fact, in recent polling, a majority, a solid majority of Hispanics disapproved of the job that Joe Biden is doing on the border. So, you know, this is no longer, you know, simply you know, an issue for the far right. Uh, this is now an issue for all Americans, and it's really going to have some substantive effects in the 2024 election uh, unless something changes. And with due respect, I don't think Joe Biden is going to change anything at this point. Yeah. What what he often does, though, will stretch as much as he can, create some insane policy put it into place, have everything go, dis, you know, into disruption and then wait, you know, however many months or years for the courts to say, no, you overstepped your bounds uh, and, and pull it back only to try something else insane. Yeah. And Ashley Moody, who is the attorney general of the state of Florida, has referred to that as Biden's game of whack-a-mole. Uh, you know, no sooner does a court enjoin or stop one lawless idea, then the administration has already moved on to the next and has begun to implement it. So, yeah, you know, there's a lot of uh, work that's being done by many of the states, uh, you know, Texas and Florida, certainly top amongst them, but, you know, Iowa, Idaho, you name it, uh, you know, in an attempt to, you know, rein in the Biden administration. But at the end of the day, the only people who can really rein in this or fix what the administration's doing is Congress. It's incumbent upon the Republicans in Congress and a lot of Democrats to make a change. Friends, we'll be back in one minute with our guest today, Andrew Arthur. A little bit later, we'll be opening phone lines for your questions as well for our guest today. And, uh, friends, what's happening is, is utter chaos that's taking place. It's a crisis at our border, and it's intensifying. Uh, Certainly, there can be actions to uh, protect our nation and protect our security, but uh, the floodgates are open. We'll be right back. There is a movement to propel humanity toward an advanced level of existence. Those seeking to change the culture of society are on a rapid trajectory, aggressively touting the extremely powerful capabilities of AI, artificial intelligence, and transhumanism. The ultimate goal of the elite is to obtain immortality and become gods. In the book, Artificial Intelligence, Transhumanism, and the De-Evolution of Democracy, pastor and Bible prophecy speaker Dr. Richard Schmitz unfolds his extensive research and documents revealing information unveiling the agenda of those pursuing this technology for evil. You'll also see how these technological advancements fit hand-in-glove with biblical prophecy and one known as Antichrist. The book, Artificial Intelligence, available for a donation of $18, call 1-800-729-9829. 
You're listening to Crosstalk on VCY America. Folks, it really is an issue of national security that is taking place here and has been breached uh, uh, in a very negative way uh, here impacting this nation. And uh, some of you are sitting back and say, oh, I, I don't feel any impact from this. Well, it just matter of time and you will. Uh, you will. And uh, all that's going on, uh, even in uh, the, the level of tax you pay, the level of deficit, and, and certainly the ballooning uh, uh, national debt, uh, all are, can be attributed coming back to this as well. This plays a very uh, role in this, this whole matter, uh, even economically, on the nation. Uh, we're talking with Andrew Arthur today, and economically, I, I know there are some that are dedicated to try and figure out what is this costing our nation. I mean, the, the cost are just astronomical. Yeah, you know, and that's a very critical point because, uh, you know, almost six months ago, I calculated the overall cost based upon what New York was paying and what it said it was paying. The short-term cost of the migrant uh, surge up to that point was $202 billion. Mm. And here's a crucial point for your listeners to understand. New York City is struggling under this. But the proportion of migrants that they are taking is almost identical to the proportion of uh, the New York population compared to the population of the United States. So, in other words, New York is taking about as many migrants as it logically would. It just happens to be a big city. And so the impacts are felt a lot earlier there. We're going to feel the impacts. We are feeling the impacts of this migrant surge in cities and towns across the United States in a couple of different ways. One, we already have a housing shortage in this country, uh, particularly multifamily housing, as we refer to it for poor people, and that's being strained. Two is the educational system. Uh, as many unaccompanied aliens and children have been apprehended at the southwest border uh, as the uh, student enrollment in the sixth largest school district in the United States. And again, those are just the unaccompanied alien children. So you can imagine the effects of adding, you know, one massive school district to the United States. But, of course, it's not going to be one massive school district. It's going to be felt in Dubuque and Des Moines and Detroit and all across the United States. Mm-hmm. And property taxes go to pay for the schools. So when you see your property tax go up, you'll know why. The third place that we're going to feel it, and this is absolutely crucial, is in our emergency rooms. NIH admits that, um, the National Institute of Health admits that illegal aliens in the United States disproportionately use emergency rooms for their primary care. If your kid's got an earache or a fever or, you know, if you have, you know, cut yourself, you go to the emergency room. You don't go to a, your own doctor or a uh, you know, one of those uh, minute clinics, you go to the emergency room. There's already an emergency room emergency in the United States, according to Yale News. That's only going to get worse as we see, you know, the, the, the number of people released in the United States. And right now, it's important for your listeners to understand this. The Biden administration has released at least 3 million aliens into the United States and that doesn't even count the Godways. My, my. Some governors, uh, like Governor Abbott, uh, you know, just think, I've got to do something about this. He has put up buoys, you know, in, in the Rio Grande there to try and stop the, the, the uh, migration across the waters there. Um, he's been ordered to take these things down. We also have, uh, the, the, you know, razor wire to, to, to protect the state from illegals coming in. Uh, reports are saying the Biden administration cutting that razor wire uh, to uh, allow people to cross into Texas. Uh, comment on what's going on here. Uh, Governor Abbott trying to take action on these issues, and, and yet uh, what's happening with the boys? What's happening with this razor wire? Yeah, and, you know, that all of this focuses on one crucial part of the Rio Grande, which is uh, the city of Eagle Pass. Those boys, it's a, a series of boys tied together that's about a 1,000 feet long floating in the middle of the Rio Grande. And the uh, razor wire is actually directly across from those boys. In fact, if you go down to uh, the Rio Grande Valley in Texas, you're going to see miles and miles of razor wire that the Texas Department of Public Safety, under orders from Governor Abbott, has put up there. Texas is actually attempting to keep people from entering illegally because there are so few Border Patrol agents available to actually respond to the migrants that they have. Texas State Troopers uh, and National Guardsmen have largely 
stepped in to fill that role. And, you know, those devices are uh, uh, resource multipliers for those individuals. But uh, a few weeks back, Judge David Ezra, who you'll often hear in the major media being a Ronald Reagan appointee, ordered Governor Abbott to take the boys down. The Biden administration had sued, saying it was a violation of uh, the, a uh, River Act, the Rivers and Harbor Appropriations Act of 1899. Uh, and Judge Ezra bought that. And the state of Texas almost immediately went to the Fifth Circuit. And here's where that story gets interesting. The Fifth Circuit stayed uh, Judge Ezra's order. It said that the buoys could remain in the Rio Grande. And that was a three-judge panel on a very heavily Republican uh, court. In fact, I think Donald Trump appointed about more than a third of the judges on that court. But it wasn't Trump-appointed judges that issued that order. One of those judges, James Graves, is from Mississippi. He was appointed by President Obama. And another one, Carl Stortz from Louisiana, he was appointed by President Clinton. So, you know, this isn't really... Um, so much of Republican versus Democrat issue is it is a rule of law versus a rule of lawlessness issue. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, politics makes strange bedfellows and uh, lawsuits make a whole lot stranger bedfellows. But, yeah, so the boys can remain. But the razor wire apparently has been cut. We've seen pictures by Border Patrol to allow migrants to cross the Rio Grande into Eagle Pass, Texas. Again, um, against the advice and consent of those Texas state troopers whose state they are protecting. Uh, but that is ongoing, and it just simply undermines or underlines the uh, lawlessness of the bi-border yeah. policy. Yeah, it, lawlessness is, is the exact word uh, that we need to focus on. And while that is all unfolding, yet we have the Biden administration focused on deporting this German family who, who was granted asylum for for, you know, suffering persecution because of homeschooling their children in Germany. They came to the U.S. here so many years ago, and now they're the ones that are being focused to be sent back. Yeah, the Biden administration definitely has some interesting priorities. Uh, You know, generally, families who are uh, fleeing persecution, political, religious, uh, are, you know, able to seek sanctuary in the United States. But so many of the people that we see coming in that the Biden administration is allowing into the United States aren't coming here because of persecution. Right. They're coming here because of economic reasons. We know that both President Clinton or former President Clinton and former uh, President Obama have said as much. And yet the Biden administration refuses to take their wise counsel and, you know, refuses to follow the same policies that they followed. And that was one in which, you know, we're a nation state, we, you know, we're a sovereign state, and we have the right to defend our borders. The Biden administration doesn't think we do. Friends, we're opening our lines. Our number here today, if you have a question for our guest or a brief comment, our number 800-733-9829, 800-733-9829. We talked about the influx happening at, at emergency rooms, but are, 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 is there any kind of screening being done for those coming in with sickness or disease? No, absolutely not. In fact, we've seen reports. Uh, in fact, one of my former Democratic colleagues from Capitol Hill uh, sent me an article that uh, talked about cases of leprosy in Florida. Again, this is a disease that, uh, you know, has been eradicated uh, in the United States or that was eradicated almost a decade ago. But, you know, there is no medical screening that's done for people who enter the United States illegally and none before they're released. Any alien who enters the United States legally has to get a medical health screening from what we call a civil surgeon. Uh, you know, that's a private doctor who checks them out and makes sure they don't have any of these contagious diseases that will keep them from entering our country. There are also vaccination requirements for anybody who enters the United States illegally. Not, the Biden administration isn't applying any of those rules to anybody who comes to this country illegally. And I think that we're going to see the effects very quickly. Keep in mind, you know, I have a, I'm 57 years old. I have a small mark on my back from when I was vaccinated uh, for uh, smallpox. But smallpox has largely been eradicated or has been eradicated in the United States. There are a lot of places in the world where there are still, you know, limited smallpox outbreaks. If people were to come to this country, I don't think anybody's been vaccinated since the 1980s for smallpox. 
we have a population in this country that would be prone to uh, not only being exposed, but being adversely affected to it. But again, you know, when the law is properly filed, followed, we don't have any of those problems. It's only when the law is ignored that those issues crop up. Friends, we'd like to hear from you today on Crosstalk. I uh, still have a couple lines available, 800-733-9829. I'd like to especially hear from some of you, uh, some of you listening in New York City right now, how this is, you're finding it impacting your community. Some of you are in, in uh, Texas, uh, New Mexico, Arizona. I uh, can give firsthand account as to what's going on. Our number, 800-733-9829. We're going to begin with Zach, who is calling from River Falls, Wisconsin. Zach, you're on the air. Hi. Uh, so my question is, um, some of these mayors are saying our cities are too full to take on the illegal immigrants. Is this their way of uh, now forcing illegals out to the rural parts of America? Is that going to be their next excuse or uh, motive? Yeah, no, there's absolutely no question about that. If you listen to uh, Eric Adams, mayor of New York City, one of the things that he calls for is a decompression strategy. You know, when he says that he never explains it, a decompression strategy is exactly what you're talking about. It's alleviating the migrant burden from, you know, these major cities by sending people to, uh, you know, uh, various uh, suburbs and, you know, the more rural parts of America. 30 of the 62 counties in New York have already gone to court to block Mayor Adams from sending migrants to their counties. Uh, You know, so this is a problem that we're seeing in the Empire State. Pretty soon we're going to see it in every state uh, throughout the country. Um, And, yeah, that's exactly what they're going to do. And I go back to the point that I made before. We had requested FOIA information from the Biden administration about what airports people were going to. They gave us the numbers, but they refused to give us the airports. And they did that deliberately, Zach. They don't want us to know where these folks are going. But this is going to be a lasting legacy that's going to leave its mark on the United States. Thank you, Zach, for the call. Next to Rex Moore, Minnesota. Rex, you're on the air. Hi, Jim. Um, I was listening to Brandon House, and a caller called in, and he mentioned... um, about all of our federal agencies who are who are weaponizing, mm-hmm. and how um, the thought that uh, possibly these federal agencies are going to give weapons over to like these Chinese shock troops coming over the border in, in South or in Mexico, and uh, various other uh, military-aged uh, illegals coming across the border. And uh, that's kind of a scary thought. It sure seems like um, the Biden administration is doing everything he can to to, uh, destroy America. Rex, thanks for the comment. We're just coming into a break. Any quick comment on this, uh, Andrew? Yeah, no, I don't have any reason to believe that. But I do know that the state of Illinois has passed a uh, bill that would allow uh, uh, aliens unlawfully present in the United States to be police officers. Yes, Illegal aliens to be police officers. Think about that, folks. Um, They're here illegally and they're to uphold the law. We'll be back in one minute. Andrew Arthur is our guest. Uh, We'll take more of your calls here in 60 seconds. Uh, This is Crosstalk on the VCY American Network. For the Worldview Report, I'm Brandon House. Our website is worldviewreport.com. Last week, Joe Biden signed an executive order creating a climate change core. It's a youth core. And one of the groups behind it has been the Sunrise Movement. This is an organization we've been covering since 2020. It is a Marxist organization that works with many radical Islamists as well. And their goal is not just green energy. That's a masking term. Their goal by their own website says is to take away our Second Amendment rights and to get rid of all fossil fuels. They also want mandatory jobs. In other words, a guaranteed job. They want to stack the American government with radical Marxists that have been trained through their program. And now they're asking to start with for $10 billion. Please understand, they're going after your children and grandchildren with this program to put Marxist into the government after they've been trained through our schools. You don't want this funded by the federal government. Stay tuned.
Andrew Arthur with us today from the Center for Immigration Studies, their website, cis.org, cis.org. Though we've covered a number of issues, folks, there's so much more that you'll find available on their website. Let's go right back to the phone lines. Holding the longest is James in Western South Dakota. James, you're on the air. Uh, how are you doing today? We're fine. Your question or comment? So, uh, yeah, I, you know, with this, with the situation at the southern border, I was just wondering if there's anything uh, that we need to be concerned about uh, at the northern border for those in the northern states. Okay, thank you for the call. What about the northern border? Yeah, and that's an excellent question. I uh, testified before uh, the House Homeland Security Committee back in February to talk about this massive influx of people that we're seeing over the northern border as well. Again, it's nothing like what we're seeing at the uh, southern border, Uh, but we've seen a huge influx under the Biden administration. In fact, in the month of August, 1,054 illegal aliens were apprehended entering the United States from Canada. We don't know who those people are. They're not Canadians, but that is about mm. 100 times as many as we saw, you know, just two years ago. Wow. Wow. Thank you, James. Uh, let's go to Pamela Glendale, Arizona. You're on the air. Hi. Um, with this in, impending impeachment uh, for President Biden, um, my question is, can we, is there some laws that we can put in effect to uh, put all his, you know, executive orders and his uh, border issues into like where they pause them out until he's thoroughly investigated and i work at a small family hardware store and i see more chinese come to our store who don't speak english literally having pictures on their phones trying to you know demand whatever product they want and i've had to use interpreters on their phone to try to get an idea of what they needed hmm. same thing at costco we've seen people going through chinese People going through stocking up on huge baskets full of towels, washcloths. I mean, enough to stock an entire hotel practically. Yeah, well, no doubt that's having to be done. Uh, your, your comments here for our guest, uh, 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 to our caller here, uh, Andrew, uh, Pamela calling in from Arizona. But, uh, yeah, actually, there are a couple of different points. One, Congress has the ability to strike down any administrative action. Uh, it requires a majority of both houses. and In fact, the Senate moved to strike down the Biden administration's public charge rule, which would have basically written public charge out of the laws. That hasn't been taken up in the House, but uh, it may be. And, you know, with respect to anything else that the administration does, Congress can address that. But even if the president were impeached, the actions that he took before impeachment would remain in place. Yep, yep. Thank you. Um, let's go to Kathy in West Salem, Wisconsin. You're on the air. Hello. I, I just wanted to say um, prior, if you had a concern, you could call the White House comment line and voice your concern, and they said they would always forward it to the president. Mm-hmm. And I tried to call them earlier, and you are not allowed to call the White House. Whoever, if one person is answering the phone and they're closed for the day, they're supposed to open according to the recorded message between 11 a.m. and, and 4 p.m. that the switchboard operators so they take the day off. Sounds like they're following the president's schedule. I don't know. With all the technology, they should have more than one person manning the comments line in our White House. Yeah. So if you try to call, I guess they're shortening their hours. But I was calling to try to tell them to shut the border and that all these countries are just emptying out their criminals and their prisons and their drug dealers and sending them here. Thank you for the comment here, and I appreciate that. Let me just mention, folks, uh, in case you want the White House comment line, that's 202-456-1111, 202-456-1111. The White House switchboard just changed the last four numbers to 1414 uh, for it. But uh, rather frustrated here, Andrew, because uh, not getting through to, you know, to the White House to share her her views on that and uh, kind of troubling that they would have such limited hours. Yeah, well, you know, you you actually stepped on my line. I was going to say the president needs to get his rest. But uh, probably a much more important call that you could make would be to the House of Representatives. Mm -hmm. Call your local representative at 202-224-3121 for any comments that you want to make. And, you know, I was a congressional staffer, as you've mentioned, for a number of years. Mm-hmm. We actually take those calls to heart. 
uh, the members, you know, are told about the calls that they receive and about uh, issues that are important within their district. They're reelected every two years. They have to have their fingers on the pulse. 202-224-3121. Let's go to Jenny in Phoenix, Arizona. You're on the air. Hi. I'm a first-time caller. Thank you. And I'm glad I got to get through. I can mirror the comment from the person in Glendale, Arizona. I belong to Costco and Sam's Club, and I frequent the thrift stores as I am a senior citizen who's living out of her van Hmm. that has worked since she was 12 years old Hmm. at 15 for my paycheck. And I'm living in my van. I can't find a reasonable accommodation for myself. And I'm getting a pittance of $60 a month in food stamps. You can't eat on $2 a day. And I am seeing, I previously was a teacher's assistant Mm -hmm. and a medical assistant. Jenny, I'm going to apologize. I have to cut you off because we're down to just one minute. I want our guest, Andrew Arthur, to comment on this. Here we are putting people up in, in ritzy hotels and providing food, medical expense, educational expenses. And yet you have Jenny, you know, you heard her circumstances here. Something just doesn't uh, seem right. Yeah. And, you know, this is an absolutely crucial uh, issue that a lot of Democrats ignore. And it is what do we owe to our fellow Americans, the ones who are suffering? From the White House perspective, we don't owe them anything. The only obligations that we owe are to the businesses that are clamoring for cheap labor. They don't owe an obligation to the people who live here. There's a reason that Oliver Anthony's rich men full of Richmond, uh, or uh, north of Richmond, moved to the top of the charts because it touches a chord with struggling Americans who are being left behind in this disaster. Thank you for the call. I wish we had more time, and we apologize to others on hold. We've run out of time for any further calls. Andrew Arthur, our guest today, check out their site, cis.org, cis.org. And uh, certainly, uh, friends, we've entered into such lawlessness that's taking place, and uh, it's very evident what's taking place at the borders. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for carving out the time to uh, join our listeners today. No, I appreciate uh, the opportunity, and thank you. Indeed. And uh, friends, certainly we need to uh, stay in prayer for this nation, and uh, certainly what's happening is really to our own demise as a nation. But uh, we have forgotten God. We certainly need to turn back to Him. Thanks for joining us today on Crosstalk. You've been listening to Crosstalk via satellite and the Internet from VCY America. Views expressed may or may not be those of this station. For a CD of today's program, send a donation of $6 or more to VCY Tape Ministry, 3434 West Kilbourne Avenue, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 53208, or download by RSS or podcast from CrosstalkAmerica.com. And join us again for Crosstalk. Crosstalk.